0: Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. I'm going to ask if you would to turn in your copy of scripture to Psalm chapter 90. In just a few moments we'll read that passage of scripture and we'll reflect on our memory verse, the verse theme for the day. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. I've been wanting to preach uh, this sermon for quite a while. I've thought ever since March about how, if I ever had an opportunity, how I would stand uh, to my congregation and address the pandemic that we've lived in. What do we do and what are we watching and what are we seeing Over the last several months, I've seen several pastors who have addressed either the medical part of it, or they've addressed the mask part of it, or they've addressed the political part of it, or or they've addressed some other aspect of it. Some have addressed it from the perspective of end times and prophetic fulfillments and things of that sort. And, And I actually started jotting down notes for a sermon I wanted to preach that would address in my mind, a lot of things that had left been not been stated. And so I wanted to talk about the fear, and I wanted to talk about the political frustrations, and I wanted to talk about the politicizations. Uh, but as I, I kept thinking about that and dwelling on that and thinking about what I would say or what I should say, I got to thinking about how many news sources and different opinions and different articles that I've read in probably the last 10 months. And and, you know, for all the folks that say masks are going to save your life, I could read an article that would say the masks don't do any good. And for all the articles that say vaccines are going to do good, you can read other articles that say we need herd immunity and, and all this kind of stuff. And so there's this back and forth, and that's not even including the politicization of our health care and health environment and not including the, the frustrations of our politics, not including the the things that we're, we're not told and the uncertainties and and all of those things. And I got to thinking about all of that. And then I, I started reading a book by Neil Postman entitled Amusing Ourselves to Death. It's written in the 1980s. And one of the things he did in that book is he lamented, how the shift from a typographical culture, a book culture that is, to a TV culture has trivialized the news. And he referenced it by this point. He said, you'd see someone on the news and they'd tell you this news story and then they would say, now this... And so they move to the next story and they move to the next story and they move to the next story and I wonder what Neil Postman would say about our culture and in 40 some years later where you go from one story on a, a social media platform or from a major media news network platform and you go to the next story and you go to the next story and you go to the next story there's this going on in Washington and there's this going on in Wilkesboro and there's this going on in North Carolina, and there's this going on in the other side of the world. And what it feels like is we're inundated with a sense of information. But what in the world do we do with that information? Just to be honest with you, a lot of times that information has driven me to frustration and it's driven me to fear. At times it's driven me to panic. It's definitely driven me to anxiety and worry. What has it done with you? So as I wanted to write that sermon and preach that sermon to you as a congregation, God led me to Psalm chapter 90, and He didn't let me preach that sermon at all, because He's wanting us to understand that there is something far deeper and far more important than the cacophony of sources and pieces of information that we can get. There is a place that we can go where we can gather a sense of peace and a sense of calmness and a sense of understanding. And let me tell you, it is not in any of those news cycles and news sources. In fact, we're not alone. I mean, I I know as a Christian, I've wanted some sanity. I've wanted some calmness and wanted some peace. And, And you've wanted some of that. Well, we are living in a time of transition, The world in 2021 will not be like the world in 2020. I'm not sure we're ever gonna go back to pre-pandemic normalcy in terms of what our life was like. There's some things that are with us forever. We're in a time of transition and we're wondering in kind of the midst of it, at the end of a portion of it, maybe at the end of the beginning of it, we're, we're wondering what's next. Well, there's a group of people that experienced a what's next, the people of Israel. They were slaves in Egypt and God sent a rescuer named Moses to come down and they experienced the plagues and they experienced this glorious event where God sent 10 plagues upon the nation of Egypt and he brought them out of Egypt and he brought them through the Red Sea on dry land and he brought them into the wilderness and then they transitioned in the wilderness for 40 years wandering. They were in a perpetual state of transition of wondering what's next. They had seen some awesome things. They had seen some very troubling things. They were homeless. They were, aside from God's provision, destitute. They didn't have much, not in the way of something that they could call permanent. And in the midst of that event, those events, those frustrations and concerns, Moses writes this prayer that's recorded in Psalm 90. I want you to read with me and hear what Moses prayed to the Lord. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. He is praying this when the people don't have a home. When the people of Israel, they're in the wilderness, their homes are tents, they don't have a permanent location. They haven't made it yet to the promised land. Moses writes, Lord, you are our dwelling place. We could stop there and if that's all we got, that would be sufficient. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. We need that. Listen, the news cycle is instantaneous. And as soon as a news story is written, it is out of date. Technology is like that. As soon as you grab a new cell phone, there's another new cell phone that you could get. As soon as you upgrade to one form of camera, You have to upgrade to another form of camera. I mean, it's constantly changing. God's not. He is from everlasting to everlasting. You want something permanent? You want someone that is sure and that is certain? Then who you're looking for is who Moses is praying to in Psalm 90. You're looking for God who is eternal. Verse 3, You return man to dust and say, Return, old children of man, for a thousand years in in your sight, or as but yesterday when it is past... Whereas a watch in the night, folks, I don't know how long you're going to live, but I'm not going to live a thousand years. That, that's not going to be my timeline, but a thousand years is like a day. It's like a moment in the sight of God. God is forever. He has always been. He always will be. And the circumstances of our lives are transient. They will come and they will go, but God will still be. And that is why Moses prayed to God. And that is why we pray to God. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. Isn't that true? Our lives are but toil and trouble. Momentary affliction, constant affliction, frustration, difficulty. We move from one ache to the next pain. We move from one difficulty to the next challenge. Feels like it's constant. They are soon gone and we fly away. Verse 11, who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? This is the key verse, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. And for as many years as we have seen evil, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. We're gonna look at six specific wisdom prayers or wise prayers that we can pray as we move out of one year and move into the next. The transition verse is verse 12 where Moses says, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. But all of that, verses 12 through 17, are based on what Moses wrote about who God was in the first 11 verses. God is eternal. God is glorious. God exists. God lasts when we don't. And so what we come to as followers of Jesus in 2021, we come to him at a place of difficulty, transition, frustration, maybe sickness, maybe pain. We come to him in that situation like the people of Israel did in Psalm chapter 90, like Moses did in Psalm 90, but we don't come to God as if God is in the midst of those same things. God is not. God is in control, he is sovereign, he rules, he is distant from the events, meaning that, that he is not he, he's not pained by the circumstances we're pained by, he's not frustrated by the things that frustrate us, and that is why we can pray to him, and yet he is not immune to those things because he sent Jesus' son to experience the transience and the difficulty and the suffering and the pain and the disease that you and I have experienced, so he has pity and he has compassion upon us, but he is not like us so we can pray to him. There are six prayers that we ought to pray. I would invite you to write these down. Maybe you're not going to pray all of these today, but I think maybe one or two of them are going to stand out for you, and they're going to be something you could add to your personal quiet time, your prayer list this week that I think will help you. They've certainly helped me moving into 2021. It is wise that we should pray for perspective, I said these are wisdom prayers, so we're going to re- write these in the terms uh, of wisdom. It is wise that we should pray for perspective. Teach us to number our days, to know how long we're going to live, or, or to watch out for how long we're going we're to live, to pay attention to what's going on in our moments and in our minutes and in our hours and in our days. Why? So that we may gain a heart of wisdom. How easy is it for us to become distracted by all of the little things that are going on around us and before we know it, we have spent hours scrolling through news articles, or we have spent weeks binging on television, or we have spent all of this time on stuff that when we turn around and look at it like in the past, what did I do with my time? Where did it go from? Where did it go? Moses is telling us and asking us to pray, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may have wisdom, wisdom. I've prayed for wisdom a lot this year. I think I've gotten some wisdom this year. I really do. Ron Dunn, in one of his books on prayer, he he talked about going through a, a challenge with one of his children who was going through a medical circumstance, and they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to, how to treat it. They didn't know how to fix it. They didn't know who, what doctors to go to. It required a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of energy. And Ron Dunn testified, he said, I prayed for wisdom. I did what the book of James said, which said, if we lack wisdom, we're to call upon God, ask him and he'll intervene and he'll give us wisdom. And Ron Dunn reflected on that and he said, I prayed and we prayed and my wife prayed and my family prayed and we prayed for wisdom and we kept praying for wisdom. And he said, no light bulbs ever went off. He said there were no signs from heaven that God brought down and said, "Ron Dunn, do this." That God didn't send him a prophetic messenger. God didn't give him a text of scripture that said, "This is what you need to do." But he said, as they got on the backside of the event and they looked back at all the decisions they had made and all the circumstances they had been through and the health of their son and the challenges he was dealing with, here's what Ron Dunn reflected on. He said, "You know what? We made all the right decisions." We wouldn't have changed anything about it. And he said, you know what it was? It was God answering our prayer for wisdom. We need perspective, folks. We need to know that God is with us even if you don't feel like he's with you. He is with you, oftentimes stopping us from doing some foolish things and helping us to do some wise things even if we're not aware of it. So it's wise that we should pray for perspective. Verse 13, it's wise that we should pray for God's intervention, Return, O oh Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. We need God. We need God. And God's Moses is saying, God, will you come back? Will you show up again? The return is, is, an, is implied that he's asking God to do what God did when he brought them out of Egypt. He rescued them from slavery. He brought the plagues upon the Egyptians. He, he made the seas part. He gave them food. He's asking God to do that again, to come back. to to intervene in the world. And I'm gonna tell you, some of you have prayed for that for months. I can't tell you the number of times that we've prayed for God to intervene in this pandemic. I can remember times as we'll kneel with the deacons at our deacon prayer time, and we'll pray that God will intervene and God will help those who are sick and God will send us vaccines. You know what? God sent us vaccines. When, have you ever stopped to thank God for sending us vaccines? Maybe you have. But God has intervened. I'm not saying that's perfect. It's not perfect, but God has intervened. What we ought to continue praying for is that God would intervene because, goodness knows, you and I need that. We need God's intervention. Doctors and nurses and health officials need God's intervention. We need God's intervention in our nation. We, we need God's intervention in the political turmoil. We need God's intervention to have wisdom among our political leaders locally and statewide and, and nationally. We need God to work in our lives. We need God to work in our church. And you know what? We ought to pray that God will intervene. It's wise for us to pray for that. Don't stop praying for that. Even if you don't see it like you're praying for it, trust that he is. We need God's intervention. Here's another prayer we can pray. It is wise that we should pray for satisfaction in God. Check this out in verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Satisfy us in the morning. The disruption of our lives have been real. Chaos, challenges, lockdowns, changes in experience from children to adults to grandparents, isolation, all of those things have been real. And for some of us, our sleep has been interrupted. I know how many of you have had moments of panic attacks or frustrations or you've just watched too much news, you can't turn your brain off, you can't go to sleep. I want you to get this. We need sleep. I, I, this time of year is a time of year where I guess typically we, we reread health books or we read health books. And, and one of the things that a buddy of mine was talking about on a podcast, he talked about the need for rest and he was talking to another an author of a book for that. And I've, I've been doing some reading on it, some thinking on it, and, and some, you know, thinking about my own personal life and how much we do need sleep, we do need rest, we need more than we think we do, uh, we think we need sometimes. Thomas Edison used to say sleep was a bore. It, was, it wasn't worth anything. And he would notoriously only take power naps. He still had to take naps, still had to sleep. And then he'd work for 20 hours, work through sleep, work for 25 hours, work through sleep. But we need sleep. Last night while you were asleep or while you weren't, do you know where God was? God was watching over things. Do you realize that you realize that when you were asleep last night and even if the rest of the world was in chaos, God was not in chaos. He was in control. Some of you really need to hear this. Some of you like to be in charge. You like to be in control. And unless your hands are gripping that circumstance or situation in your life so tightly that nobody else can do anything, you're not happy. Well, you're not really happy then, but you have to be in control do you realize that before you were born, God had everything under control? Do you realize that when you're asleep, God has everything under control? That's why Moses prays, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. Know that when you wake up on Thursday morning, when you wake up on Monday morning, when you wake up tomorrow morning, God had everything control and under control while you slept. And he has promised his steadfast love to you, not just for today, not just for tomorrow, but for forever. And Moses says, Lord, help us be satisfied in your steadfast love. You know what? If we just pray that, and we just experience some of God's steadfast love today, tomorrow, we're gonna be just fine. Regardless of what happens in our state, our nation, pandemic, if we just know that God's with us and loves us, That is a wise prayer. It's wise for us to pray that we would experience satisfaction in God. Here's another prayer. It's wise that we should pray for God to make us glad. He wrote that in the last part of verse 14, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. And then verse 15, make us glad. Now now get this, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we've seen evil. That's an interesting way for Moses to word that. Make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us, as many days as we've seen evil. People of Israel spent 400 years in slavery in Egypt. People of Israel, even when they were freed from slavery, were not freed from trouble. Yes, they had God's provision. Yes, they had a, a pillar of fire by, uh, and a pillar of cloud to lead them, uh, f- the cloud by day and fire by night. They had God's provision of manna. They had God's provision of water. They had God taking care of them. But they were still afflicted. They went through difficulty. They went through challenge. They went through struggling. They went through frustration. And yet, Moses said, make us glad Help us rejoice in you. Help us pause to praise. Help us thank God in our singing and in our voices and in our declarations. Make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I know this. You know this. Some of you have had a really hard time the last 10 months or so. The isolation has been more than you can bear or almost as much as you could bear some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you haven't been able to spend the time with loved ones that you long for and that you want to. Some of you are really, really struggling. I get that, I understand that. But I wanna tell you something. God can make us glad even in the midst of difficult circumstances because he is plain and simple enough. He is enough. He loves us and cares about us. And on top of that, There are some things that we've watched and witnessed that you'll never get to experience about God and about God's provision if you don't go through the hard times. This hasn't been the easiest year on our family. Remote school has been challenging, not so much for me, but for my beautiful wife, the mother of my boys and for my boys. It's not been the easiest experience for them and for her. And I I know I'm talking to some other parents but you know what? We will always remember the year of 2020 as the year of togetherness. Sure, there were some moments where we didn't want to be together. But we will always remember that we got to spend more time focused on each other and family than, we, than any other year probably will ever ever live. There are some things that if we have the right perspective about it, God can use to bring us gladness and joy and remind us that he's with us and remind us that he cares about us. It's wise that we should pray for God to make us glad. Here's a fifth prayer. It's wise that we should pray for God to reveal himself. Catch this in verse 16. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Catch that phrase, your children Many of those that Moses was writing about or writing to, writing his prayer to, would have experienced the exodus. But some of them hadn't. Some of the children there in the wilderness were born in the wilderness. All they knew was the wilderness. All they knew was the wilderness wanderings. They didn't know, at least know experientially, the God who brought the plagues down upon Egypt. They didn't watch the gnats and they didn't see the the Nile turn to blood and they didn't experience the three days of darkness and, and they didn't witness the killing of the firstborn. They didn't see all that. They, they grew up after those events. They didn't walk across the Red Sea on dry land. They didn't see that. They, they heard about it. Their moms and daddies and grandmamas told them about it. They didn't see that. And notice what Moses prays. Let your work be shown to your children. Let your glorious power be shown to your children. In other words, I think part of what Moses is praying is, God, will you do what you've done before? Or will you at least do something so that the children, so that the grandchildren, so that the others that are coming behind us will know that you are Lord and God. And so Moses taught us to pray that we should ask God to reveal himself. I'll tell you something, folks, that's what we need more than anything else. You and I need to see that God is powerful and glorious. Your children need to see that God is powerful and glorious. Your grandchildren need to see that God is powerful and glorious. I'm gonna tell you, for some of you that are praying for lost loved ones, lost family members, this is the way you need to couch that prayer this week. God, God, Will you reveal yourself in your glory and in your grace to, and you put their name in the blank. Pray that God would use some event, some circumstance, some message, some word, some gospel communication, some something to reveal himself to that particular person. Pray that this week. Pray that for your children. Pray that for your grandchildren. Pray that God would reveal himself. And you know what is glorious about God? The story of Israel did not end with the children of Israel in the wilderness. It continued through Joshua into the promised land, and then through Samuel, and then through the judges, and then through Samuel, and then through David, and, and their story continued. You know what God did? He answered the prayer. He kept doing the things that needed to be done to bring the people of Israel into a place of promise and a place of redemption. I'll tell you something, it's wise that we should pray for God to reveal himself because you know what? God is great at revealing himself. He created a world that's revealed himself to us. He create, gave us a word, the Bible, that's revealed himself to us. And I'm gonna tell you something, God longs for nothing more than to reveal himself to sinners who are in need of salvation. That's a prayer he wants to answer. So why don't you pray that this week for somebody or for somebodies, maybe more than one. We're gonna end with this one. It is wise that we should pray to experience God's favor. Verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. We need God's favor. We need God to bless what God wants to bless. I think one of the most frustrating things I've witnessed I think we've witnessed during the last 10 months is what appears to me to be like man's attempt to control something that man has never been able to control. Listen, I, I, I can't stop the weather. I can't. I can't turn a hurricane around. can't stop a tornado from coming. If there's a snowstorm on its way, there's nothing I can do about it. Diseases are like that. Folks, you and I cannot stop disease in its tracks. I'm not saying that we ought not be wise. I'm not saying we ought not social distance and put on masks. I think we ought to do all those things. We're doing those things as a church Uh, and, and we're doing those things in our community. But it seems to me that some of what we've watched for the last 10 months is man's attempt to control something that God never gave us the authority to control. I can't stop someone from getting sick. And it, it, even if we could sort of mitigate the spread of this virus, which I'm not sure we can even do that in the, with all that we're doing. I mean, spread's like wildfire in places. And how do we solve that? Even if we could stop this one, can we stop cancer? Or can we stop heart disease? You could be as healthy as you wanted to be, and you're still going to die under the curse of sin one day. My point being, we, what we don't need is to try to control everything. What we do need is God's favor. I love how Moses ended this prayer. He said, God, will you let your favor be upon us in the work of our hands? You know what? Real blessing is not being successful at, by the world's definitions. Real blessing is knowing that we've got God's favor upon us. Whether the work of our hands is the work of parenting, whether the work of our hands is the work of motherhood, whether the work of our hands is the work of being a father, whether the work of our hands is working with someone who is struggling with addiction and helping them to overcome, whether the work of our hands is the work of the sharing the good news of Jesus, whether the work of our hands is the work of a praise team who's willing to change up all of our worship structures and our worship styles to bring us to a place where we can still sing and praise to God in, in a unique environment, whether the work of our hands, you name it, what do we need? We need God's blessing upon that. We need God's favor upon that. I tell you, I think we can experience more of God's favor in the work of our hands if we'll pray to God like Moses teaches us to pray to God that God is, and that he's great and that he's glorious because what that does, that sets our heart at a place of humility and surrender, acknowledging that it's not about what we can figure out. I'm not asking God to bless my stuff. I'm asking God to intervene and bless what he's promised to bless because he's good and he's glorious. So let me close this way. Why should we pray these wise prayers? Why should we invest our time in things that are godly and that are good and seek the Lord? Because Moses said to teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. You ever thought about how many days you've been on earth? I really haven't, not until I started studying for this sermon. But I went to a website website that basically you put your your birth date in and it calculates the number of days that you've been alive on planet earth. So we'll start with my birth date. My birth date is July the 8th, 1980. Uh, When I put this in, I put it in on the 4th of January. So that's a few days ago. So according to the numbers, I am 14,790 days old. It's an interesting way to think about it, about 15,000 days old, which is uh, 2,112 weeks and six days when I put that information in. That's 40 years, 180 days, including 10 leap days, or 40 years, 25 weeks, and five days. In other words, that's uh, 485.87 months. Therefore, I am 40.493 years old. How about someone who's 80? 80. I did that for someone who's 80 as well. If you're 80, you're you're 29,588 days old or roughly 4,226 weeks. You know what? As you think about those numbers, so say you're 20, you're about 7,500 days old. If you're 10, a little less than that, right? You go up to 60 Where would that put you? You'd put you about right in the middle of 29,000 and 14,700. So I'm not good with math in my head. My wife will tell you that. But you can do the math on your own. Where does that put you? Number our days. I don't think Moses, when he prayed this, was telling us that really what we need to do is count the number of days we've been here. As much as he was telling us to think about the number of days we have left. If I live a good life, a good, healthy life, a strong life, then I'm about halfway there. It's about all I've got left. Barring unforeseen circumstances, things I can't control. Not promise tomorrow. How many days do you have left? Are you on the upper side of 40? Are you on the upper side of 60, 70, 80? How many days do you have left? Start thinking about it that way and you really want some of that wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. It leads us to do two things. Believer, it leads us to do this, to really evaluate what's going on in your life today and is what's going on in your life today worthwhile? Is it gonna make a difference tomorrow? I don't know. I'll tell you this, you pray prayers like this, that'll give you a heart of wisdom and that'll help you make sure that your life is actually lined up in doing the things that God wants done. Now let me speak to you as an unbeliever for just a second. Teaching you to number your days is really important because uh, I don't know how many days you have left. God never promises us tomorrow. He doesn't make an unconditional uh, guarantee that we're gonna get another opportunity to hear his word, to hear his gospel, to come to faith in him. You may die in the next hour. You may die in the next week. You may die in the next month. How many days do you have left? And if you not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then when your days come to an end, you'll spend an eternity separated from God in a place of eternal judgment and punishment. And I would beg of you, I would plead with you to make sure that you're right with God, that you acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you believe in the Lord Jesus to be your Savior and your King, that you trust that He died on the cross and rose from the dead for your forgiveness And then you commit your life to following him as Lord and Savior. Your nays are numbered. There's going to come a point in time when the conclusion of your life is going to come face to face with your existence. And do you know Jesus? If you do, then your life gets eternal. You get to go to heaven and spend it with God. If not, you spend it separated from God. I would invite you to put your trust and your faith in him. Maybe you're here, you wanna do that. Maybe you wanna pray for someone. Maybe you just want to think about the invitation of Jesus. Jesus says to us to come to him. That's the song we're gonna sing, to come to us, invites us to trust him, to love him, to depend on him. He invites us, I think, like Moses taught us here to pray to him. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna enter into a time of prayer and enter into a time of response. Let God speak to you through this song. Sing this song and respond to him in prayer. Our Father, we come to you and I thank you that you know what's best, that you know our days, you know our lives, you know our flaws and our failures, our weaknesses, our wastedness, you know all of that. And yet you invite us to know you, to trust you, to be forgiven by you. You're in control when we're not. Lord, teach us to pray these prayers of wisdom for satisfaction, for satisfaction in you, for peace in you, for wisdom in you for understanding, for you to favor the work of our hands. Lord, reveal yourself to those who are sinners. Show up, do a work that will glorify your name and bring lost people to salvation. And Father, I pray for those who are watching and listening and hearing who don't know you as Lord and Savior. May they come to faith in you and make the greatest and wisest decision they could ever make to become a follower of Jesus. Lord, thank you for your invitation. And teach us to number our days. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.